You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And just as a warning, these films might be in theaters now, or they may be from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But regardless, there's a strong possibility that I will be revealing spoilers. I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. We are here to discuss Thelma and Louise, which came out in 1991. It was directed by Ridley Scott. Thelma. I'll get it! Thelma, I've not told you I can't stand it when you holler in the morning. I'm sorry, doll. I just didn't want you to be late. Hey, how you doing, little housewife? Louise. Yeah, I still have to ask Daryl if I can go. You mean you haven't asked him yet? Thelma. Is he your husband or your father? Thelma and Louise are going fishing. How come Daryl let you go? Because I didn't ask him. <laughs> He's going to tell you. I left him a note. <laughs> you get your butt back here, Thelma, now. Tell me something. Is this my vacation or isn't it? Come on. Have you lost your mind? Woo! Maybe you got a few too many parking tickets. Tell me what happened. You're getting in deeper every moment you're gone. You want to step back and get in your car again, please? I swear, three days ago, neither one of us would have ever pulled a stunt like this. Thelma and Louise. How do you like the vacation so far? (laughs) It stars Gina Davis, Susan Sarandon, Harvey Keitel, Michael Madsen, Christopher McDonald, and Brad Pitt. The genre would be Western road movie. With so many great films having come out in 1991, which are now celebrating 30th anniversaries this year, consider me pretty surprised that more folks aren't remembering this one. Thelma and Louise was and remains one of the best films of 1991. Now, it has probably suffered a bit from both overpraise and dismissiveness resulting from its female leads and its overall feminist tone. But first and foremost, it is still a great buddy road movie about friendship featuring two iconic yet relatable protagonists who are both delivered through excellent performances from its stars, Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon. Both were deservedly nominated for Oscars and both lost to Jodie Foster, who won Best Actress that year for Silence of the Lambs, which I'm actually okay with, though I would personally have chosen Davis for her performance as the titular Thelma. Thelma goes through quite the arc in this story as we watch her evolve from meek housewife to fearless outlaw. No, it's not the most original character arc, but Davis sells every increment of it, so by the time we get to that emotional climax for her and Louise, played by Sarandon, at the height of the Grand Canyon, all of those emotions have been earned. As does Sarandon, who might even have the more slightly difficult role, since her character doesn't go through quite so many dramatic changes. For her, it's all about thinking through everything, everything that's happening around her, and genuinely protecting herself from revealing too much, even to Thelma. I hadn't seen this in probably at least a decade, and I could have sworn that I remembered her character actually recounting what happened to her in Texas, since we actually do hear Louise refer to something happening in Texas throughout the movie. We eventually have a pretty good idea that it involved her being sexually assaulted, though she never directly reveals it to Thelma or anyone else. And I think that actually benefits the story and her performance. Hello, Louise. Hey. How are things going out there? Weird, we got some kind of a snowball effect happening here or something. You're still with us, though. Mm Mm-hmm. You're somewhere on the face of the earth. Well, we're not in the middle of nowhere, but we can see it from here. (laughs) I swear. Louise, I almost feel like I know you. 
Well, you don't. You're getting in deeper every moment you're gone. Would you believe me if I told you this whole thing was an accident? I do believe you. That's what I want everybody to believe. Trouble is, it doesn't look like an accident. And you're not here to tell me about it. I need your help here. Get Harlan Puckett. I don't want to talk about it. You want to come on in? Don't think so. Then I'm sorry. We're going to have to charge you with murder. Now, do you want to come out of this alive? You know, certain words and phrases just keep drifting through my mind. Things like incarceration, cavitous search, death by electrocution, life imprisonment, shit like that. You know what I'm saying? So do I want to come out alive? <laughs> I don't know why. Now, a sexual assault does occur early in the film, and it's presented pretty unflinchingly, though not in any sort of exploitive manner. It has the necessary impact of not only being the inciting incident for Thelma and Louise's journey afterwards, but it also gives us context for how our title characters just lose their trust with almost anyone they encounter from that point forward. I think I got us in a situation where we both could get killed. Damn, I don't know why I just didn't go to the police right away. You know why. You already said. What'd I say again? Nobody'd believe us. We'd still get in trouble. We'd still have our lives ruined. Know what else? What? That guy was hurting me. If you hadn't come out when you did, he would have hurt me a lot worse. And probably nothing would have happened to him, because everybody did see me dancing with him all night. They would have made out like I'd asked for it. My life would have been ruined a whole lot worse than it is now. At least now I'm having some fun. It's to the credit of director Ridley Scott and especially writer Callie Curry, who justifiably did win the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay that year, that tonally the film is able to sustain the weight of this incident, while also still allowing for several lighter moments, which result from both of our protagonists having some measure of fun with their new outlaw status as the film progresses. And of course, that leads to the appearance of the JD character, about halfway through, played by a 27-year-old Brad Pitt in literally a star-making performance. He really does smolder with most of his screen time as an object of desire for Thelma, but also effectively serves as a catalyst for the increasing level of distrust that both of our two lead characters eventually have. And I just kind of waltz on in, and I say, Ladies, gentlemen, let's see who wins the prize for keeping their cool. Simon says, everybody down on the floor. Now, nobody loses their head, then nobody loses their head. Uh, you, sir. Yeah, you do the honors. Take that cash, you put it in that bag right there. You got an amazing story to tell your friends. If not, well, you got a tag on your toe. You decide. Besides him, you have a pretty strong supporting cast, including Harvey Keitel as the sympathetic cop on their trail, a nicely subdued Michael Madsen as Louise's supportive boyfriend, and a somewhat cartoonish Christopher McDonald as Thelma's loudish husband. His performance is probably the broadest in the movie, but he serves its purpose. I don't want to get too personal. But do you have a good relationship with your wife? Hi. I love Thelma. I don't intend anything by that, sir. Just a question I have to ask. Are you close with her? Yeah. I guess. I mean, I'm about as close as I can be to a nutcase like that. At the end of the day, this is still the Davis and Sarandon show. They have fantastic chemistry and bring the right mix of gravity and humor to these characters. Also, all of the film's vistas of the Rockies that we see them driving through throughout the film, they look gorgeous thanks to director of photography Adrian Biddle, who also did amazing work for Aliens and V for Vendetta. 
Hmm, I think I see a correlation among all three movies. Hans Zimmer also delivers one of his better scores, which highlights both the majesty of their surroundings, along the treacherous circumstances that our heroes both eventually find themselves in. Just a few key guitar notes at certain points are liable to get you choked up. And now, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert regarding the ending of a 30-year-old movie, but still want to warn you. As for that much-discussed ending, I still think it generally really works. There was obviously a ton of hand-wringing at the studio at the time related to how to present this in a way that would not alienate early 90s audiences. There was clearly a lot of compromise as well. To me, that last freeze-frame shot, the fade to white, the inspiring music that plays over it are just about perfect. But I do wish they held on to that shot and the fade just a little bit longer to let it sink in. The transition to credits over scenes of Thelma and Louise looking happy just feels so abrupt. Now, I get why they did that. And in 91, it probably made sense to try to quickly reassure audiences from a business standpoint. But it just slightly lessens the impact of that ending. But it's still a great ending to a great film. And that brings us to the categories. The first category would be Best Needle Drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film. Because music is essential to film. Hans Zimmer's score for this remains one of his best. It has a country sound with a modern synth sound behind it which is greatly helped by some great slide guitar being played by Pete Haycock. And that slide guitar gives this score its soul, especially during the final scene, which I'm going to try to, again, to not spoil for you. But let's just say it doesn't land nearly as well without this stirring music. The track that we hear is called The Decision. And I would challenge anyone who has seen this movie to keep their eyes from welling up when they hear that slide guitar kick in. Next category is Wasted Talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Now, I like his performance overall, but years later, after having rewatched this film, I'm still not exactly sure what Michael Madsen is doing in this movie. His character is clearly in love with Louise, but he just seems way too cool with watching her run off to evade the law, especially since he just proposed marriage to her, no less. It's tough, because I've always been a sucker for early 90s Madsen. This was literally the predecessor to his breakout role a year later in Reservoir Dogs. If nothing else, his character seems more purpose-driven. He mainly seems to be there to give our protagonists some kind of lifeline who can wire them money when they most need it, and also to give Louise an excuse to leave to meet with him, so that Thelma can be alone that same night with JD, played by Brad Pitt. Basically, he's an excuse to separate our two main characters. So yeah, I guess you could say that Madsen was saddled with a role which is more often been relegated to women in movies like this. He's basically playing the thankless love interest to our hero who just shows up when it's convenient to move the plot forward. So hey, at least props to this film for being that progressive back in 91. Look, I don't know what's going on with you or what happened or what y'all did, but I'm not going to tell anybody anything and I'm not going to say that I even saw you <laughs> Damn, Jimmy, what'd you do? Take some kind of pill? Makes you say all right stuff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm choking on it. Uh, 
sure you want me to go with you? I think it's probably not a real good idea right now. But I'll uh, catch up with you later. That brings me to the next category, which would be trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes this movie. Pretty much most of the more gratifying standout moments happen in the second half of this movie, when our two heroines are on the run from the law, and none more so than when they are eventually pulled over by a state trooper in the middle of the desert, played nicely by Jason Begg. His cop takes Louise into the front of his car to question her, and then Thelma pops in and points a gun to his head to take over. Now, she doesn't threaten him. She just politely takes control of the situation. Both of them are actually quite polite as they take his ammo, direct him into the trunk of his car, but they do shoot air holes into it first, just out of courtesy, so he could breathe, and then they see themselves off. It's really fun to watch not only Thelma really come into her own as a woman, now in control, but to watch her interplay with with Louise, who's still apparently adjusting to the situation. It's just a fun scene, and that's your trailer moment. Now, I swear, three days ago, neither one of us would have ever pulled a stunt like this, but if you was ever to meet my husband, you'd understand why. Won't put your hands on your head, please. Louise. What? Shoot the radio. The police radio, Louise. Jesus I'm Christ. Sorry. Got it. Okay. You want to step to the back of the car, please? Louise, get the keys. Air, air holes. Open the trunk. Step into the trunk, please. <laughs> please. I have one of the kids, please. <laughs> you do? Well, you're lucky. You be sweet to them, especially your wife. My husband wasn't sweet to me. Look how I turned out. And that brings us to the MVP. This is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. In the same vein of both actresses being nominated for Best Actress, Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis are your co-MVPs. Their chemistry is undeniable and their performances are unassailable. Beyond that, over the past 30 plus years, Thelma and Louise have both become iconic characters. Just saying their names has become shorthand with so many other things, including close friends on the run, feminism, road trips, you name it. And they have now earned their place among the other iconic duos in film history, alongside Bonnie and Clyde, Oscar and Felix, they did start out in a movie, and even Riggs and Murtaugh. But beyond that, what makes the performances of both actresses so impressive is that they are not playing these characters as types or distinct tropes. Davis and Sarandon created three-dimensional characters who can't easily be defined by just one or two things. They're flawed and relatable, and that makes their story that much more compelling. This film was definitely lightning in a bottle at the time of its release. Scott was definitely at the top of his game, allowing his technical acumen to serve a great screenplay by Corey. And it's actually quite miraculous that it was released when it was, and with that ending, no less. Much of the credit for that has to go to the spot-on casting and the performances of its two leads. Therefore, I salute both Gina and Susan as co-MVPs. Why don't you take off those shades? I want to see your eyes. Yeah, I've been seeing you, too. Yeah, we think you have really bad manners. (laughs) Yeah, where did you get off behaving like that with women you didn't even know? Huh? How'd you feel if somebody did that to your mother? Or your sister? Or your wife? 
Huh? What are you talking about? You know good and damn well what I'm talking about. I mean, really? That business with your tongue? What is that? That is disgusting. And oh, my God, that other shit of pointing to your lap. I mean, what is that supposed to mean exactly, huh? I mean, does that mean pull over? I want to show you what a big fat slob I am. Yeah. My rating for Thelma and Louise would be five stars out of five. This film holds up as a modern classic. It's currently streaming on several platforms. Hulu, Paramount Plus, and the Criterion Channel save a lot of different chances to see it, and I would highly recommend doing so. It's a great film. And that ends another rebellious review. Please subscribe to the Living for the Cinema podcast and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.